Hey everyone, Matt from Emetics Mind here. I just wanted to take a moment to let you know that I just started a Patreon. What's Patreon? Well, quite simply, Patreon is a platform that allows me to continue doing what I'm doing now, creating podcasts and voiceover content for free. But it gives you, my audience, the ability to support me if you want to. It's a monthly subscription support the creator service that will provide me with an opportunity to reinvest back into my audio work so that I can continue to grow and reach more first responders, veterans, and anyone who battles with mental illness and injury. Don't worry, I'm still providing all of my content for free. This just allows you the chance to support me in my work if you'd like to do so. If you want to check it out, head over to patreon.com forward slash emeticsmind. That's patreon.com forward slash emeticsmind. And to all who have subscribed already, thank you. Your support means the world to me. It allows me to continue what I love to do as well as what I find to be therapeutic, while providing me with the opportunity to grow and improve my craft. So thank you. Now, let's get to this episode of Emetics Mind. Welcome to a medic's mind. And yeah, you hear that, right? You hear those? Yeah, the sleigh bells. That's nice, isn't it? It's a Yuletide Festivus welcoming to the Emetics Mind month of December Christmas episodes podcast. I don't know if any of that made sense, but you know, it's Christmas time. It's December. I can officially say that. Uh, and especially in the year of 2020, we could all use a little holiday cheer, I think, especially with how the world is going at current moment. You know, we have politics that's out of control. We have the, the, the virus that shall not be named that seems to be rearing its ugly head for a second wave. I feel like we're in an impending lockdown, uh, you know, uh, on a systemic scale. Um, so... There's a lot to be uh, weary of, which is why I'd like to inject some uh, holiday festivist cheer, I guess. And uh, as a caveat, this this episode is not all that cheerful as it is um, more a retelling of a true story with sort of fictionalized flair. What I mean by that is this is about the Christmas ceasefire. Now, for those of you who are unaware, in December of 1914, during the Great War, there was a ceasefire between the Germans and the, uh, the British. And they, uh, they, they did, uh, took a ceasefire on Christmas Eve, and uh, it lasted, I believe, 24 hours. Um, it was in defiance 
of officers' demands and requests to to not go forward with this. But, uh, you know, the, the soldiers on the ground, the soldiers in the trenches went ahead and had a ceasefire anyway. And that ceasefire saw soldiers coming out of the trenches. It saw them uh, swapping cigarettes and whiskey and songs and dance with one another. And it is it has become one of my favorite Christmas stories of all time. And as such, uh, I try to retell it every year. I did tell it uh, in an earlier episode of my podcast way back when, uh, but I feel like I've done a bit of a better job this time. The sound quality on the last one was really uh, kind of choppy because I really didn't know how to use a noise gate or anything like that. And I have since evolved and learned how to do those things. Uh, so yeah, I, I do have that episode. And like I said, it's not super jovial, but it is Christmas themed. And that is my goal for the month of December is to do Christmas themed uh, episodes. There will, however, be uh, likely one episode. I'm working on it right now where I talk about what it was like to say goodbye to Doc. Those of you who follow the podcast or have read my book will understand who Doc is. And for those of you who don't know, a quick uh, rundown. Doc was my psychologist that I was seeing for the past three and a half, almost four years. And she is the woman I credit with saving my life, with having the ability to even turn my life around to the point where I'm now in a functional, healthy, happy relationship living back in my hometown uh, or my home province, at least, of British Columbia. Living a life that is not perfect. I still suffer with with nightmares and, and flashback symptomology, but there's still some work to be done. But she got me to a point where I could at least function in some semblance of normalcy. And um yeah, um that was that was a t- it was it was a tough one. Um it was a tough session and um you know it's it's one of those really uh complex things because you've had this person in your life for a three and a half, four year period. And although they've been there in a professional capacity um, the type of work that you do with a psychologist um, is is very, very nuanced and it is very, very unique. And you build ties and you build bonds. And I mean, you know, Doc was there for me immediately after my mother's suicide. And Doc was also there for me this past January when my sister died unexpectedly. So Doc has been there um, for some big, big key moments. I mean, she was there in October as well, when Chris, uh, passed away by way of suicide. And, uh, so she's, she's been a key player in some very, uh, deep and meaningful, uh, life happenings. And it was a weird thing to, to have to just cut the cord and say goodbye because she can't practice here in in British Columbia, even though it's via zoom, uh, you know, there's all kinds of red tape and bureaucracy and, yeah, uh, all other all other kinds of things, regardless of what they are, she can't practice out here, which means I need a new therapist, of which I have found, and uh, and and that's great. But it's you know, it's 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 the saying, or the closing uh, of one of one chapter, and on to the next. But it's not as seamless and easy as that, you know. Doc, like I said, she's she's been a huge player in my life for for quite some time and 
And so it's 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 unique in that, of course, idealistically, I'd love to, you know, have Doc around as a friend, you know, to say, hey, you know, this is my friend Doc, but that is not possible because of the work that's been done and because of the interactions and the way we met and and a whole plethora of other different reasons. And so for the most part, I have to say goodbye to Doc. And that is uh, at, at times cripplingly difficult to wrestle with. So there will be an episode in December um, where I discuss that in, in further detail and depth and, and go into that. So unfortunately, uh, you know, the Christmas episodes may not all be very jovial and happy, but I will try my very best to make sure that majority of them have uh, a more lighthearted appeal to them. Because like I said, you know what, we need that. It's, I mean, I need that specifically it's December. December is tough. Christmas is tough. But I am in a new environment now. I, I am in a place with a family and a beautiful girlfriend and her two loving kids and uh, her two cats that shit on the floor. And <laughs> they she has two great cats. They're, they're absolutely amazing, to be honest. Spartan is like so cuddly, but he's like super fat. But like if he, if he knows that you're going to bed, he literally sprints into the bedroom and just jumps onto the bed so that he can get comfortable before you even get into bed, which causes you to have to move him because you can't crawl into bed with this giant gelatinous ball of fur. It's just, he sprawls out on his back, by the way. Yeah, he just lays there like he's tanning. And you're like, would you move? And he just goes limp like a fucking toddler in the supermarket. He just goes limp. You're like, God, come on, dude. Yeah, so... But, uh, you know, all those things are great. They're fantastic. And so uh, I have a lot of things to look forward to, but um, there is a wait to Christmas in the Christmas month. So I'm I'm using this podcast. I'm using you guys to to help bring me out of some holiday funk. And hopefully, in turn, I can repay the favor. So uh, anyway, this is episode one in the Christmas uh, arsenal that I'm going to uh, barrage you guys with. Uh, throughout the month of December. Anyway, guys, I wish you well. I hope you're happy. I hope you're healthy. I hope that you're safe. This is the Christmas ceasefire, and I have called it a Christmas story. And it's coming up next. Medic One, you're responding. Code four. Story time. Come on, you barmy bastard. These dames ain't gonna dance by themselves. Oh, you think we need you to have a good time, do you, soldier boy? Well, you might not need me, but trust me, by the end of one song, you're gonna want me. Nixon could always get away with saying stuff like this. 
His million-dollar smile and symmetrical jawline ensured as such. Hell, even in basic training, the instructors fell victim to his charm. While the rest of us were getting yelled at and having our faces shoved in the dirt, Hickson was chumming it up with our irascible overlords. You couldn't help yourself around the guy. Ladies were no exception. I didn't know Hickson before the army, but that didn't matter. Stray from day one, he took a liking to me and we'd been pals ever since. He was a farm kid like myself. When the war broke out, almost every able-bodied man in our little hamlet marched down Main Street to join up. Kids we were. Not a goddamn clue of what we were doing. Hickson and I passed boot camp and soldier training together and had managed to find ourselves assigned to the same unit, the Royal Irish Rifles. It was the night before we were due to ship out and we were dancing like drunkards at Cupid's in downtown London. Donned in our uniform, getting attention from the fair sex was not a Sisyphean feat. More like ducks in a pond. Hickson had a swath of blondes and brunettes vying for the attention of his piercing baby blues. As for myself, well, I'm the more reserved type. I sat quietly at the bar, smirking at the tomfoolery in Skylarks. That's when she came in. Trudy, the prettiest girl I'd ever seen. My lips peeled apart from themselves helplessly, her gown flawless in its oriental homage. Each strand of her auburn hair shone like satin as kissed by the sun when touched by the sparkle of the club's lights. I was mesmerized. I don't know how, but Hickson must have seen her too. He walked right over to her and leaned in, resting his chiseled chin by her ear. I turned around and resumed casting contemplative hypotheticals into the shimmer of my whiskey glass. I felt a tap on my shoulder and was surprised to see Hickson and the ravishing beauty standing behind me. Trudy, I'd like you to meet a good friend of mine. Best rifleman this side of the channel. Not a bad bloke either, Hickson said while smirking at me. Before taking his absence, he leaned in toward me the way he had done to Trudy. I saw you looking at her, mate. You didn't have the ghoulies to talk to her, so I brought her to you. This is your last night to use your midget for something other than a mudfinder. Don't let me down, mate. Uh, uh, sure thing, Hicks. Thanks, uh, I think. I said nervously. Hickson walked away and Trudy remained standing before me. I didn't think I'd remember how to speak, let alone breathe with her standing so close to me. And before I had the chance to struggle through any complimentary colloquy, she spoke. So, Private Hickson said you were going to buy me a drink. Her voice played like a violin in my ears. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll buy you a drink. I, I mean, yes, I want to. Well, I don't need a man to buy me a drink. I have my own money, but thank you. I felt a collapse within me. From collarbone to toes, I fell inward. How about I buy you one? You're the one going off to war. I'll get you the drink. You tell me something interesting about yourself. And if I'm not bored by the time you finish it, we can discuss another. Her proposition rebuilt me in seconds. Suddenly, I was sitting a little straighter. My shoulders a little broader and sturdier. You know, I think I'd like that. Yeah, sit down, sit down. I'll tell you about the time my mom came chasing after me and my brothers with a broom above her head while trying to put my sister's hair out. Her hair out? Yeah, 
Maxwell, my little brother, lit it on fire with a candlestick when she wasn't looking. Needless to say, Mama wasn't happy. My, uh, my butt's still red. She smiled and sat down. Well, now this, I have to hear. The earth shook with a violence unknown to any rider's description. That night in the club was some four months behind me now. I was sitting in a mud-laden gouge in the earth's flesh, pen and muddy paper in hand, trying to write to Trudy. I was remembering our night together, trying to remark upon its splendor and how the memory of it had gotten me through some rotten times here in the dirt, including when Hicks died. That was a tough one. Never felt so alone in my life even when surrounded by men in the thousands. It was Christmas time. Well, I think so anyway. Hard to keep track of days amidst the bombs, bones, and blood. Our measurement of time is now done by way of whistle bellow. It goes off, we go over, and into no man's land. That horrible hiss and snap of a bullet as it zips past you is a sound I'll not soon forget. The remainder of my letter goes something like this. Dearest Trudy, it's cold here today. The snow has started to come, but even the perfection of its alabaster becomes sickened by the mud of this place. Pockets of earth wholly removed by the relentless shelling. Man-made thunder. Man-made, but I think the gods hate it too, because there seems to be no god to speak of in this place. Not like that night in the club. I never knew that I'd know peace like that next to hellacious war such as this. Everything here is decay and rot. Even the cold can't mask it. I know that when I get home, I'll be able to stare into those beautiful green eyes of yours, get lost in an abyss of chartreuse and emeralds. There's a serenity in your kind eyes, love. I only hope that when you look into mine, you don't see the monster I've become. I gotta let you go for now, but I'll write again when I can. P.S. Promise me something, Trudy. When I get home, speak softly to me. No booms, no shouts, just the music of your mezzo. Do that for me, and I'll never leave you again. You're the home I'm fighting to come back to. With all the love I have left, Willie. I was folding the paper the best I could with numb fingers when a peculiar sound shot across the craggy expanse of no man's land. 
I sunk deeper into where I sat in anticipation of action, but nothing came. The sound was voices, voices with German inflection. There was a clear voice shouting, but it did not appear to be in anger. By now, a row of men had joined me at my position, weapons at the ready. I waited for that god-awful whistle. It, too, never came. There was a brief lull in any sound of any kind, except for the concentrated breaths of myself and those around. We waited. A German voice flew over our trench. I think he's saying don't shoot. Don't shoot, Private Merker said. He was a member of the Scots Guards. I didn't know him well, but well enough to know him to be a good soldier, and a solid bloke for understanding languages other than that of the Queen's dialect. Another brief pause befell the beleaguered grounds. When all of a sudden, a song poured out from the German trenches. Still knocked. Heilig knocked. Alle schalft. Einem dwacht. I don't speak German. Not a lick. But I knew that song to be Silent Night. Holy Night. down the line queried. Yes. Yes, they are. They're singing Silent Night. Merker confirmed just beneath a whisper. I looked at him and noticed an oddity in his behavior. It was as though he was thinking intensely about something. More intensely than myself or any of us that now huddled against the mud wall of our trench. In the time it took me to look down and ensure that my rifle was ready to fire, Merker broke formation and began ascending the trench. A frantic panic befell us all as we pleaded with him to get back down and into cover. But he ignored us, as if to be entranced by something. Without fear or obvious hesitation, he now stood erect and vulnerable atop of our line, visible to any would-be sniper. But no shots came. I could see his breath turn into fog as he began walking away from our defenses. Murder, you crazy Scott! Get the fuck back here! An officer's voice commanded, but the order fell on dismissive ears. Merker kept walking. Bitten by curiosity myself, I peeked up from where I sat, glaring through the mud, snow, and debris of war, scanning the horizon while frequently looking to Merker as he traveled further and further into the land where only dead men lay. Through the haze of winter's fog, I observed shadowed silhouettes moving from the German lines, approaching Merker. I wanted to call out to him, but I didn't. I just watched. Watched as he met with the enemy. They embraced each other with handshakes and shoulder taps. Christ, I even heard laughter. Good evening. Do you speak English? Yes, a little. Wonderful. Uh, we were talking about uh, 
A ceasefire. For Christmas Eve. What do you think? The outcome of this war won't be decided tonight. I don't think anyone would criticize us for laying down our rifles on Christmas Eve. Fearing that I had gotten sick and was now running a fever, I placed my hand atop my head to check for illness. Nothing. Cold and wet like every other day. This was not a hallucination. After several moments spent with the enemy, Merker galloped back to company lines. He threw himself into the trench and sat for a moment, smiling while ignoring the glares of us all. Merker! Merker, what the hell was that? What happened? Captain Patterson demanded. Sir, they... They gave me a glass of whiskey and some cigars. They said if we don't shoot... They, they won't shoot. Merker replied through a subtle smile. After listening to him, I began to smell the resplendent aroma of whiskey sneak out from between his spoken words. Sir, they said something else. What? What the hell is it? What did they say? Patterson replied. They said... They said Happy Christmas. They wished us a Merry Christmas, sir. It was at this time that I heard more singing. Clearer this time. Still knocked. Heilig knocked. All is schlaf. Einem wacht. Silent night. We all sat in hypnotic days, listening to the song we all knew, sung by the words none of us understood. When the song faded to silence, from somewhere down the line, an English voice piped up.
The longer the song went on, the more voices joined in, including that of distant German singers. Merker looked around at each of us, officers included. Without saying a word, we followed his command. One by one, we climbed out of the trench, across the barbed wire, through the sunken dirt and over toward the German lines. For the first time in this war, I saw my enemy. And my God, he looked just like me. Scared. Hungry. Cold and alone. All the while surrounded by thousands. This was the Christmas ceasefire. For one blissful Christmas day, no bombs, no bullets, and no bloodshed. Just merry men, singing, laughing, and dancing as one. As I watched the dancing, I allowed for my mind to wander just a little further than these stricken lands where I stood. I remembered the dance hall. I recalled Trudy. Hex. I smiled and gazed contemplatively into my gifted whiskey. A German soldier took note and wandered over to me. He outstretched his hand and showed me a photograph. It was of a beautiful woman. It was his, Trudy. Somehow, some way, he knew exactly what I was thinking about on that cold, warless Christmas day. He gifted me brotherhood and kindness. The war would go on for four more years. Countless lives would be lost. And although it ended with signed peace, I have never known stillness and calm the way I knew it on those unforgiving grounds of the Western Front on a crisp holiday morning. The Germans were not my enemy. Failed diplomacy and poisoned ideologies were. After the war, anger is what poisoned me. I thought it was the whiskey that could help me, but I was wrong. Do you want to know what it was? Do you want to know what saved me? It was Trudy. Trudy and her beautiful green eyes. She never shouted at me. She never banged dishes or slammed doors. Instead, she just loved me with those perfectly green eyes. Green like the trees of Christmas. Trudy became my ceasefire. And the best gift I ever had. May we all know peace like that. Even amidst treacherous times. Merry Christmas. Frohes neues Jahr. Happy New Year. When everything is white, glimmering silver white, and stillness fills the night, it's Christmas. A winter wonderland. Snowball in each hand Take me away Christmas Day There's joy in the air Families near We give thanks for this past year Oh, nothing compares To the love that we share You dazzle us all from big to small Warm laughter 
midnight smiles where presents stacked in piles take me away Christmas day Medic's Mind would like to take this opportunity to thank its Patreon supporters. Drew Lidke, thank you very much for the support of the Medic's Mind podcast. Monthly contributions like yours ensure that I get to continue doing what I'm doing, grow, learn, and reach more people. So thank you. See you on the next episode of Medic's Mind. Medic's Mind.